This episode of the Ageless and Awesome podcast is sponsored by the Radiant Reset Hormone Detox Guide for Perimenopausal Women. As a woman in the modern world, our hormones are taking a battering. They're impacted by the food we eat, the toxins we're exposed to, such as when we eat out of plastic takeaway containers, or even worse, reheat food in them. Please don't do this. If you're handling FPOS receipts, filling the car with fuel, eating non-organic produce that hasn't been washed effectively, plus so much more things add to our toxic load every day. Even though our bodies are designed to effectively manage toxins, they haven't evolved as quickly as our toxic world has, unfortunately. So our body does need support. Symptoms such as stubborn weight gain, fatigue, disrupted periods, irritability, and gut health issues can be a sign that you'd benefit from a gentle detox. And that's why I developed the Radiant Reset Hormone Detox Guide for Perimenopausal Women. This free guide has an abundance of information to get you started on your very own DIY detox. And if you'd like to upgrade to VIP, it's only $47 for a limited time. I used to sell this program for $247. The upgrade gives you the recipes, including plenty of uh, plant-based options, the meal planner, the shopping list template, the video workshop, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more now. Take care of your hormones. They are a critical part of your health as a woman. Welcome to the Wellness Glow Podcast. My name is Susie Garden, anti-aging naturopath and nutritionist, founder of the Glow Protocol, and I help women feeling stressed, flat, and older than they'd like regain their youthful energy and glow. Anti-aging is an inside job, and I know for sure that we can use specific foods, movement, mindset techniques, and build stress resilience to reduce our biological age and look and feel younger in our bodies and minds, as well as potentially lengthening our lifespan. I'm here to be your guide to the latest in anti-aging and longevity research so that you can learn and apply simple techniques to reduce skin wrinkles, body pain, gut issues, improve your energy, and have your skin glowing with health. And I'm not even exaggerating. So if you're struggling with stress, fatigue, brain fog, weight gain, perimenopause, and feel like you've tried everything, then get ready to let go of everything you think you know. It's time to forget all the strategies that haven't worked for you before and join me as I share what actually does work. I have a down-to-earth approach and make the science seem simple and actionable. I know that the knowledge and insights I share can change your life and the way that you approach your health, and I'm excited to help you glow. Let's get started. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of the Wellness Glow podcast. I'm really happy to be uh, talking to you this week. You may hear a bit of background noise. I've got a lot of construction going on next door, but hopefully we can get through this recording and it's not too kind of rough in the background. So this week I'm revisiting coffee. I recorded an episode almost three months ago now, and it was a really popular episode uh, looking at anti-aging benefits of coffee. So I thought I would revisit that, but also talk about some of the ways that coffee, depending on how you do coffee, can actually have the opposite effect and be, yeah, pro kind of 
advancing aging, if you like. Uh, that might sound a little bit dramatic, but anyway. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is the thing uh, that a lot of my clients, when they come to see me, they're really worried that I'm going to say they can't drink coffee anymore. And you know what? I am a massive fan of coffee personally, and there are so many health benefits that you can get from drinking coffee that I think that totally outweighs any of the kind of more deleterious effects. But, um, you know, the thing is coffee is loved by billions across the globe. It's like one of the most popular beverages in the world. Um, so I wanted to have a look at the research behind coffee as an anti-aging superfood because of the fact that so many of us drink it. I mean, we know, for example, in the United States, coffee is the biggest source of antioxidants by far that people, you know, take into their bodies. And antioxidants are super important, not just from a, an anti-aging and longevity point of view, but also just from supporting so many of the processes that go on in our bodies. So, you know, it's um, really important that antioxidants are taken in. But yeah, you can totally get antioxidants from so many other sources though. So I don't know if it's a, such a great thing that the in America in particular, that the, the biggest source of antioxidants is coffee. But um, yeah, I find that, I find that a really interesting statistic. So the thing is, I guess, and I think I talked about this study in the previous podcast is that there was this huge study over 350,000 people over a period of 10 years, looking specifically at the at coffee's role in heart disease and death. And they found that two to three cups a day led to a 10 to 15% lower risk of coronary heart disease, heart failure, arrhythmias, or dying for any reason. And one cup a day gave the best protection against stroke and heart-related deaths. So that's a massive study over a, a long period of time. And that looks really, really promising. And the thing is that these types of studies, there's been multiple, multiple of these types of studies done in many, many different countries. For example, there was a British study that actually looked at half a million people, so even bigger, half a million people over 10 years. And that showed that coffee drinkers were less likely to die from any cause, any cause at all. And why? What was the reason for this? They actually weren't sure why. Um, and, but one theory uh, that came out of that study is that since coffee contains more than 10,000, more than 10,000, different chemical compounds that protect cells from damage, that it might actually inhibit many causes of death that scientists haven't actually isolated yet. So that was a British study. Then there was also a Spanish study that, uh, that looked at 20,000 people and that showed um, that people over 45 years of age had a 30% reduced risk of death from any cause again, any cause at all, for every two cups of coffee per day. So that was an interesting one. So if you have two cups of coffee every day, you have a 30% reduced risk of death from any cause. Love that if you're over 45. One other study that I wanted to mention was from the Harvard School of Public Health. So very well-respected um, institution. This looked at 200,000 doctors and nurses over 30 years, so a really, really long period of time. 
and it linked coffee consumption to a decreased risk of death from heart disease, stroke, diabetes, neurological diseases, and even suicide. So that's really, really interesting. And it's been, as I mentioned, repeated in multiple studies in multiple different countries. So including, you know, different cultures such as Japan, South Korea, as well as, you know, Spain, Britain, United States, and many other countries as well. So it's, um, Definitely got some fantastic properties when it comes to uh, anti-aging and longevity. And, and obviously one of the main reasons is because of these, this antioxidant effect, um, which, you know, that leads to things like more youthful looking skin. It lowers your inflammation. It improves your brain function. It's even been shown to burn fat. And there's some ongoing studies in this. They're obviously trying to isolate the compounds that have that effect to have some sort of fat burner supplement. But certainly in terms of just coffee consumption, depending on the amount, and I'm going to get into this a little bit more, can improve um, fat burning. But the thing is with um, the brain, the better brain function. I just wanted to go back into that one because we've found that also, or science has found, not me, um, that it decreases the risk of age-related cognitive decline. And it does this, one of the ways it does this is it stops the buildup of two toxic proteins in the brain. And one of them is called tau, T-A-U, and the other one is called beta amyloid. And these have been linked to Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease. So if we can stop the buildup of those proteins, it's actually getting better outcomes in those particular conditions, which is awesome. Other studies suggest that it helps you calculate maths better. So in terms of improving cognitive function, it boosts, this is, I found this a really interesting one, boosts the quality of conversations in groups. Now I have no idea how they measured that, but I really like that. It boosts the quality of conversations in groups and improves the quality of your workouts. Now, I think that's been known for quite some time, um, is that, you know, if you throw down uh, an espresso or something before you work out, it improves the outcomes of your workout. So that is a really cool kind of added benefit, as well as a delicious drink. You can get all of these improvements, but there are some kind of caveats on this because there are some people, some experts, in fact, that say coffee is bad for you and aging you. And now some of this is outdated science. It's not unusual for um, scientists to recite findings that have, you know, since been disproven. Um, but, you know, in the, in the context of coffee, there's, there's obviously things that can negatively impact aging, including, and this is probably pretty obvious, and you've probably thought about this already, is the addition of sugars and syrups. Now, this is pretty obvious, but I've got to be honest with you. When I was working in corporate land, before I was a nutritionist, one of my daily little rituals, which I loved, was going down to, uh, it was a, a national coffee chain and having a, God, it was a caramel latte, right? Now, I would have this caramel latte without the whipped cream that was standard. So I thought I'm taking the healthy option because I'm going to have no whipped cream and I'm going to have skim milk. So I was having a skim 
caramel latte. And I thought that was actually a really healthy version of it. And I don't know why it didn't even occur to me that the caramel part was a sugar syrup. Now, I don't take sugar in my coffee usually, but these caramel lattes, and I was having one every day at about 10 o'clock. Um, and I put on quite a bit of weight when I was working in that job. And I, when I look back on it, I go, oh my God, I was having caramel latte every day. And I was also getting into the cream biscuits in the afternoon because I used to have this slump. And now that I know what I know about sugar regulation, clearly I was just bouncing my blood sugar all day by having, you know, breakfast at t- that time for me was like a, a, a breakfast cereal, but you know, like it was a fruit-free muesli with skim milk um, and an orange juice and sometimes a piece of toast. And that was pretty much it. There were no, not a lot of real healthy fats or, um, you know, protein in that. And so then I'd be hungry and I'd be having, you know, this caramel latte And then I'd be having whatever for lunch and often a sandwich or something like that with lots of bread and then needing a biscuit at three o'clock to get me through the rest of the day. But yeah, at these syrups that you're adding into your coffee are full of sugar. And when we have increased sugar, it means we we bounce around our blood sugar. And when we have that that, um, blood sugar kind of going all over the place. It impacts our energy and it also can increase our risk of insulin resistance. And we know precursor to diabetes can lead to weight gain, um, lead to cravings. And as I just described, I experienced all of that. But we also know that sugar plays a big role in um, ages, which I've talked to before, which is advanced glycation end products in the body. And these lead to um, increased oxidative stress and inflammation, which can appear obviously in your, your skin in particular, but also internally in your body. So if you're drinking sweetened coffee every day, the downsides can outweigh the benefits of the coffee. Absolutely. And, you know, if you're having like two sugars in your coffee or even one sugar in your coffee and you're having two to three coffees a day, that's a lot of sugar over a period of time. So you need to really kind of consider maybe backing off. Um, And I find the easiest way to do that, I've had to do it myself. I used to drink tea with two to three sugars in it is I just, you know, go, go back it off by half a teaspoon a day um, every or every two to three days and your tastes will adapt. It's pretty easy actually. Um, one of the other things that where coffee can have a negative effect on, on aging and longevity is the timing and the dose effects on sleep, which I think we, again, we all know about this, but there's some interesting stuff here. If you drink too much coffee and, or have it too late in the day, that's when it's likely to disrupt your sleep. Uh, and, and, you know, and we need plenty of good quality sleep because it allows your body and your brain to repair and reset for the next day. That's when our glymphatic system kicks in and helps to detox the brain. When we sleep, we're building new hormones. We're getting rid of a lot of our waste products. We're in our uh, digestion kind of phase of our nervous system. So, you know, it's important for our gut health. So if your coffee habit is keeping you awake and overstimulated, it can leave you exhausted and this can reflect 
um, on your then wanting to do exercise the next day. It can impact your skin, your whole attitude, I guess, towards eating well. So yeah, really, really important to time your coffee. It the There's a few different things I've read about this. Generally, you want to be not having coffee within six hours of your bedtime. And that's not going to be for everybody. Some people might need more gap between bedtime and their last coffee. So it's a good idea to think about that. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention, which I, I realize a lot of people aren't aware of this, is that coffee impairs iron and zinc absorption. And I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but there is a massive issue with iron deficiency, particularly in women at the moment. And I suspect a lot of that is to do with the fact that we tend to get served coffee or have coffee either immediately before or after we eat, particularly breakfast. And that will absolutely block your iron receptors from absorbing iron. So that's another little tip, particularly if you are a little iron deficient or a lot, uh, is to have your coffee about two hours away from your food. And that will allow for you to absorb your iron out of your food and then enjoy your coffee. So there's a tip. Um, one of the other things, uh, with regard to like the, the a negative effect of coffee is the fact that it exacerbates stress and anxiety. And we all know that stress definitely will impact your aging process, both from, um, a DNA point of view, which is like super important, but also just how it impacts your mood, how it impacts, you know, your, um, ability to digest your food properly, so many things. So when you're under pressure, the thing is you're more likely to reach for some coffee to boost your energy and get you through. Um, but we know that coffee can make symptoms of stress and anxiety worse. We know that stress is a massive factor in aging, particularly when it comes to inflammation and inflammaging. And so if your coffee is making you a little more jittery, than energized, it could be contributing to the aging process. And the thing is, if you do have anxiety, and a lot of people do, is that too much coffee can also exacerbate those sort of anxiety symptoms. But at the same time, if you suddenly withdraw your coffee, if you go, right, I'm going to go cold turkey, and I'm not going to have coffee anymore, then that can actually mimic symptoms of a panic attack in the body with that abrupt withdrawal of caffeine. So if you have anxiety and you think you do need to kind of decrease your coffee, you do need to take a step to approach to that. Similar to what I mentioned with sugar is just, you know, drop it by half a shot a day or every two to three days to get your coffee down to a more kind of reasonable and manageable level. Uh, the last one I'm going to uh, talk about is people, and I've come across this a lot in clinic in the last couple of weeks, people that have coffee as a meal, like their breakfast is coffee. Um, for many people, coffee can suppress appetite. And that's, I think, one part of it. Um, and <laughs> sometimes I think it's a matter of just timing. Uh, and people not having enough time in the morning to make breakfast. So they just think, oh, well, I'll have a, a latte. Or I'll have a, like a caramel latte or something like one of those kind of stacked coffees that's got a lot of calories in it, um, but not really a lot of nutrition. 
And, you know, if your coffee intake means you're consuming less nutrients and even under eating calories, if you're just having like a plain black coffee or something like that, that can, you know, lead to a slower metabolism and a faster aging clock. So that's the other one. Coffee is not a meal, people. (laughs) So, you know, like just really be aware of that, that if you are someone that tends to, particularly in the morning, substitute a meal for just having a coffee, you need to kind of look at a few different ways to make sure you're getting something decent and nutritious in the morning. And if you're a little bit stumped as to how to do that, you can go to my website, susiegarden.com. And I've got a whole bunch of recipes that are super easy and super quick. And a lot of them can be made ahead, such as like overnight soaked oats or breakfast cookies or granola bars or granola, whatever it is. I'm someone that's quite time poor myself and I I find that shortcuts are awesome. So I've popped a lot of that kind of stuff in my recipes and blog tab on my website. So loads of free content there for you to check out. So I guess I wanted just to finish up by saying, yes, that coffee can be an anti-aging superfood, but it is not a magic pill that will halt aging alone. It takes the right foods, the right mindset, and the right protocol personalized to you if you want to stay young and vibrant for many years to come. So if you're ready to look and feel great again, book yourself in with a free anti-aging strategy call with me. You can DM me. Uh, I think I have a link in my bio actually on Instagram that has where you can book in. We can have a chat about how we could work together and how I can help you make the most of your health and wellness. Thanks for joining me for today's episode of The Wellness Glow. I hope you had loved what you heard here and are excited for the potential to improve your health and increase your lifespan. If this resonated with you, then please screenshot this podcast and share it with your friends. Hashtag The Wellness Glow Podcast. Please rate and review so I can spread the word and keep bringing you more goodness. If you're not already following me on social media, come and join me for extra extra inspiration and teachings. I do frequent updates in my Facebook group, which you can join at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the wellness globe. You can follow me on Instagram at Susie Garden Wellness or check out my website at susiegarden.com. You can download my essential eight anti-aging secrets that all women over 40 should know and check out my signature program, The Glow Protocol. I'm so excited you joined me here today and I can't wait to share the next episode with you. Until then, remember your biological age doesn't have to reflect your chronological age and anti-aging is an inside job.